0: All right. Good morning, church. How are we feeling? Yeah, that's not too bad. That's too bad. Um, who is rooting for the New Orleans Saints today? Oh, cool. Just me. All right. Um, I do want to let you know that the Bible is replete with scripture about God's love for the saints. Um, and so if you root for any other team, do you realize uh, you hate God? And so just putting that out there. Um, you might be wondering why we have four chairs set up front. Uh, we told you guys kind of last week, and, and I'm going to sit down just a moment, uh, but uh, we do something called State of the Church once a year, where we take an opportunity to bring up our eldership and some of our staff and just talk to you about, man, what, what is our church about? Uh, what we do, uh, why we do it, and what we believe and why we believe it, and kind of what our convictions are, what does it mean? And so you already heard some of that from Anthony, but we're going to expound upon kind of what does it mean for this family here to serve Jesus, to know Christ uh, and to make him known here in our city as part of the mission we feel God's called us to. And so uh, there is going to be an opportunity, if we can actually put the, uh, the phone number up on the screen, Hannah, um, there's an opportunity for you today to text questions in. And so the first kind of 20 minutes or so, we're going to monologue a bit. I'm going to ask the, uh, the eldership and some staff here some questions about who we are. Um, but then we want you guys to ask questions and stuff. It can be kind of all around, Man, you know, why do you guys do this? And, and what do you believe about this? And, uh, and I kind of said last week that, you know, jokingly, that we'll just answer the easy ones, okay? Uh, That won't be true. Ask whatever you got, and if we have time to get to it, we will. But I do want to say this on the front end. This is meant to kind of start the conversation in many ways because we understand, listen, we've got about an hour up here to do this, and so some answers will be insufficient um, without further dialogue, okay? And so if you ask a question, you get it answered, but not to uh, your full liking, Uh, then we'll set up a bunch of meetings uh, for you and Randy, and so uh, to sit down and and take care of that, okay? And so that's what we're doing today, so thanks a lot for being here. We're really delighted. Um, The last thing I want to do before we jump into that moment is just give you a quick announcement. Uh, and so the biggest thing we have coming up is on October 8th, we have our five-year anniversary, uh, which is exciting just because, hey, we didn't fail in five years, and that's, that's nice. But uh, that has absolutely nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with, with God's grace. And so we want to take October 8th to just celebrate God and what God's done here. Uh, there's some faces that are still in the crowd that have been here for five years, which is incredible. And so we'll celebrate some stories. We've got some different things. But the big thing to know about is right after service, starting at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. on October 8th, that Sunday. We're going to do an all-church barbecue over at Thorpe Park. Okay, so bring the kids out. They can play. We're covering all the meat, okay, all the meat, and we'll have drinks. But if you uh, could bring along a side dish to share, right? So your best dish to share with the community. What's that? Or dessert. Or dessert. Dish or dessert. So Mm -hmm. doesn't dessert, isn't dessert a dish? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so... (laughs) So bring your best uh, dish, uh, dessert, appetizer, somewhere in between, whatever you want, and share that. Uh, Antoinette has already said she's bringing uh, pork green chili, uh, homemade. Yeah, so good luck topping that, Okay. Uh, So bring a dish to share for the family, and then we'll have all the meat. We'll be barbecuing, and we're going to do that all together from 1 to 3 right after our second service on October eighth. So uh, be prepared for that. Come join us that day. So um, let me turn to this crew. Anthony, I'm going to start with you, if that's all right. And uh, you already kind of said, we disciple the church to reach the end church. That's our mission. Can you just take a couple minutes and expound upon why that's important to us?
1: Yeah, uh, I think, so it really comes from the Great Commission. and So we want to be the heart of our church. We want to be the Bible and God's word for us, right? But we th- we see that as Jesus was leaving the earth, he left us on mission. We've been, if you're newer here, if you've been here since January, we've been in Acts, which is all just a people on mission time and time again. And we even see Jesus at the beginning ascend into heaven, but before he ascends into heaven, he's he's putting people on mission. And so we, we think that not only is discipleship important and we grow in our relationship with God, but what we see in Christ himself is that just does not stay in heaven, so to speak, right? It comes to earth. And something we say a lot is we're gospel-centered and we're outward focused. And so out of the Great Commission, out of seeing how the early Christians lived in Acts, out of seeing the values through the rest of the epistles in the New Testament, we thought this phrase, to disciple the church, to reach the unchurch, kind of hit home for us and what the heart of our ministry and what we wanted to do.
0: Yeah. Anthony had said something kind of in light of kind of this whole idea of us at, at five years, this... this analogy that I thought was helpful as we kind of thought through how our mission has constantly been I think narrowed down and more focused as the Lord's continued to bless us and, and speak to us um, but the analogy was that He kind of feels like over the first five years of the church we've been somewhat sw- swimming to shore uh, and, and here kind of in year five as we, we're kind of arriving on shore and now needing to figure out what life looks like on the island you know what I mean with with the others and, and the smoke monster and all that kind of stuff and uh, which would you be Satan see, what, see what's going on there. And uh, you should watch Lost is all that was. Um, and so we're trying to navigate what that looks like. As as our culture and, our, and the climate of the culture changes, uh, where does the church continue to always return back to? And we feel like this is kind of that mission. And so underneath that, there's there's only a handful of things we do uh, and that's intentional, because uh, we're not all that gifted, if we're honest, right? And so, um, nor do we have that great a capacity. And so, we, we want to do a handful of things really well, uh, instead of kind of just a bunch of stuff, and then really do the work of equipping the saints to do the works in the ministry. So, um, I'm going to have these guys kind of talk about some of the stuff we do, and, and Andy, I'm actually going to start with you, uh, and I'll let you know on the front end, Andy is terrified of this moment, and so... Uh, she has been like, literally since we said, Andy, we want you up on stage with us to be able to talk, uh, she is, I like cried a bunch, uh, there's, <laughs> there's been some projectile vomiting, it's just been, just uh, it's just been pretty difficult for her, so um, anyway, she's brilliant, and so can you talk about a little bit about what CGI is, and uh, how that moves here within our congregation, so.
2: Totally, so hi, I'm Andy. Um, CGI stands for Community and Global Initiatives, and so this is kind of an umbrella that a lot of different things fall under. Um, Specifically, I'm sure you've heard us talk about the Peak School. So the Peak School um, is a school in the Sunnyside neighborhood that Anthony and my brother-in-law, who used to be the worship uh, director here, both worked at, kind of saw needs in the school, and then developed a relationship with them. Over the last five years, now we have a functioning um, after-school soccer program, so my husband Anthony, Vince, uh, a lot of other people here, all are coaches there, and they hang out with the kids after school and get to just live life with them, and um, as well as that, so that's kind of our local mission, as well as that is our global mission, which will be kind of Guatemala. So. That was something that came out of what we were doing at the Peak School. So wanted to have something that was abroad, but also connected to our local mission. So we go abroad to Guatemala, and um, that is the same kind of thing. So we're meeting with kids, and it's soccer, it's underprivileged youth. Um, so there's some connection there, and we wanted this to be Just where kids weren't just going on a mission trip and then coming back not having connection. Um, So with the local mission, we're hoping that people go globally and then want to get plugged in locally. And then as well with CGI, something that we say with CGI is just we want to love the last, lost, and least. So just people that we wouldn't normally come into contact with. So that's the peak school for us here in Flagstaff. Um, That's Guatemalan youth um, over abroad.
0: That's nice, that's good. Um, just for time's sake, we'll keep moving on. So, Randy, can you talk through uh, mentorship uh, and our mentorship program and, and what that's been and how it's been impactful in your life and in the church?
3: Uh, for me, it's been impacting, <clears throat> excuse me, from a standpoint of just the people I've been honored and uh, lucky enough to mentor for the last five years, the relationships that uh, have developed between myself and the young men that I've discipled. Uh, Continue to be strong today. I I still get phone calls out of the blue from people that I mentored that are no longer here, regrettably, here in Flagstaff, as they should be, but they've left. (laughs) Um, But it's really a template, you know, from uh, from the Bible, in that Christ called, He discipled 12 apostles uh, from the beginning. So we take that same template and apply it to this church here, where we are constantly, through Anthony, on the hunt for uh, qualified mentors, specifically older people, such as myself,
1: <laughs> to, uh,
3: to pour into the younger generation. And, you know, Andy, for example, though, she has a, uh, an RC and, and mentors uh, college-age gals. So um, I just say that as a sidebar uh, to help Anthony out here with uh, continuing to uh, volunteer time uh, as, as you would become hopefully a mentor, we need more of them. Uh, mentors, we've just been around the sun a few more times and we've got some more scars. And as I was talking to a young man this morning actually, uh, I'm able to impart, and I'm saying this as a template for becoming a mentor. It's not so much things that I've done correct and, and how I nailed this having raised three daughters and I've uh, been married for over 30 years, but I'm able to share what I didn't do right and what I wish I had done. So I learned from my mistakes and I'm able to impart that to the younger men so that hopefully they wouldn't make some of the bonehead mistakes that I made uh, as I was raising my family. Yeah, those are long conversations.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we found it just—I mean, Scripture. We think is again just full of this this movement of uh, of causing kind of older to invest. In younger First uh, Timothy two was a huge driving force behind this for us to entrust to reliable men, entrust to reliable women, uh, goodness and truth and and really the gospel and, and, and Christ's teachings uh, that they would go and then and continue to impart that kind of on down the line and so uh, that's a big part of our motivation. We're going to talk more about mentorship at the end of this kind of time because we actually uh, are going to have some mentors on stage and things like that. So um, let me move to Anthony and well, it, can I can I yeah just let's, add let's, I was going to say is, that could you add to it yeah so. and then
1: uh. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, please. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Everyone thinks you're being um, serious. They're like, nah, oh, I'm no. just messing yeah. with them. Um, no, uh, so right now, too, to give you guys a picture of, like, how many mentors that we have in this church. So on a given Sunday, we've been around 300 the last few weeks with the students and everything, um, and we have about 70 people that have stepped up to be mentors. So we have at least about double of that, probably. Uh, in mentor relationships. Maybe uh, not quite, but so this is something we want to press into because I love seeing higher and higher percentages of us kind of living out what Jesus did, right, with his disciples. And so kind of the state we're in right now, though, is kind of what Randy was saying. We need, we just always need older mentors um, to to step out and to be willing to hear all these Crazy ideas from Nau. So <laughs> and sit with students and love them and care for them well. So awesome.
0: Keep going. Talk about uh, redemption communities and yeah. you know, what those are for us.
1: Yeah. So we here, uh, if you've heard us, what we call our our version of small groups is redemption communities. Part of the reason for that is. We want it to be a community of believers rather than just a group of people and just people that have similar interests that hang out. But we want it to be a community of believers who could be radically different from one another, yet they're in these relationships as as we see in the Bible. So part of why we do this is not only that we just see all throughout the New Testament the believers together— But in community, we reflect God and who he is, right? So we believe in the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, who's one God, yet has this community with himself of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And so when we do community well, we reflect who God is well. And then there's just a lot of practical realities, I think, of why God has us do community and to mostly to share in love and to care for one another better. And so last year at this time, we had about four or five uh, redemption communities going on. And we were kind of the previous year, we had been really chasing after health in our communities and that they would be healthy communities rather than just we have a ton of different communities. And so this past year, as we already focused on health, we could kind of focus on that next step, step of just growing and doing community better and having more people in our church and community. And so right now we have nine redemption communities, which is awesome. We have uh, a youth uh, redemption community, which has been going on for a year now. We have uh, communities that are a little bit more diverse age-wise, which it used to be just kind of like Vince, me, and a lot of college students. And now we have a lot more families involved and older people involved. And again, just like with mentorship, this is another area. We'd love to see anyone that's older in our church get plugged in with the community. I'd love to help you uh, figure out what that means. And we have a lot to learn from those that are older in our church too. So I don't want to just tell you how community goes in and you uh, just live out my template for it, but I want us to look at the biblical principles for community and, and live that out together. So
0: Yeah, and, and we, you know, we would love If you have more questions about what that looks like, that, a lot of that gets worked out in our Roots Lunch. If you haven't been part of that, we, don't, we again highly encourage you to come check that out. Um, we actually had a question come in, and, uh, and I thought it was just really apt to address right now. But the question was, is there a difference between mentoring and discipling? And so we addressed that real quick.
1: Yeah. So I would say that there is. There is in, in one sense. So we think that everything we do as a church should be discipleship. So we hope that in, in, on Sunday, how we, what we're doing right now in sermons, that it would disciple you. We hope that the songs we sing and the songs we pick, that it would not only glorify God, which is first and foremost, but that it would shape you and disciple you. And so the reason we moved away from that term discipleship, because I think a lot of places would just say, hey, that's just discipleship. It's that one-on-one relationship or one-on-three relationship. Uh, we would say we switched it to mentoring for two reasons, for, because we want everything we, we do here to be some form of discipleship. Like we want our redemption communities to disciple people well. And we want to disciple each other in community. But we also want to have that one-on-one. So we switch it to that mentorship for that reason. And the second reason is there's a lot of non-Christians that come here at times. And we want them to feel free to jump in a mentorship relationship. Sorry if I gave that away to you, non-Christians. But uh, we want you to feel comfortable (laughs) to jump into that to see that it's uh, something that we'd love to walk through life with you too. And kind of pass whatever wisdom we have for you too. So I don't know if you have anything to add.
0: No, that's great. That's great. Good question, though. Real good question. Um, just real quick snapshot on Sundays. This is what you know. Most of you guys have have kind of the front door for most churches are Sundays, and that's what you guys see. Uh, we do our best to try and glorify Jesus on Sundays. That's kind of primary. Uh, thing to do here. And so uh, it's less about our preferences, although we all realize we have those, we bring those to the table. Uh, But it's less about kind of us coming to a moment uh, for Sundays from, you know, 9 to 10.30 and 11 to 12.30 to be about us. This moment is about the Lord, right? And it's about learning about Him and, and being shaped by Him. It's about His presence being here that we would glorify and testify to everything He's done that's amazing. All the while, the Holy Spirit transforms us and renews us and makes us more like Christ, that when we leave this place, we We go out. So uh, that's just kind of Sundays. That's the big philosophical push on that. Also, just, you know, if you don't realize this and you have kids over in kids ministry, our number one philosophy about our kids ministry uh, is that uh, you are the main disciples of your own children, right? And so the church is supposed to come alongside the family, uh, not be the family, right? And so you investing in your kids is of primary importance to us. And that's why all of your kids are learning the same stuff Uh, that you're learning here on Sundays, they're learning in kids' ministry. And so we teach them the same lesson, uh, contextualized, obviously, uh, so that this way, during the week, you can interact and engage and ask questions and and move and motivate your kids towards loving and following Jesus. And so that's just a big part on philosophy for what Sundays shape us as. Um, This one thing we wanted to share is is kind of this thing we talked about as a staff uh, at our recent staff retreat was this idea, we feel like this next year, 2017 and 18, as we're kind of arriving on the island shores, if you will, is, is somewhat of a back to the basics thing for us. We feel like we've been running real hard for five years, um, but that this kind of back to the basics idea is a refocusing on three major things for 2017, 2018, and those three things are the Bible, prayer, and evangelism, which we just feel like at the base level what it means to to continue to follow the Lord is, man, are we open up? Are we open this up? Like, is this like a cherished thing for the church uh, because it's God's word and it's God's truth and it tells us the true story? Of life, right? Are we cherishing this thing? Are we in it? Are we studying it? Do we know it? Can we defend it? Uh, do we use it to defend why we believe what we believe? Um, the second thing, prayer. Like if we're not speaking and engaging and talking to a Lord who is relational, who has told us like you're supposed to pray unceasingly, what does that say again about the church? So kind of a return to that aspect. And then the real obvious aspect is we've been going through the book of Acts, that like we're supposed to share this stuff, right? Like this, this goodness, this gospel story is not just meant For us. Like it's not meant for the Christian only, right? It's meant to be inside the Christian to be given away to those who don't know. And so, this idea of evangel heralding Jesus and heralding the gospel before a watching world. And so, these are kind of some things we're returning to, and you're going to begin to see some little things that we sprinkle in throughout the year uh, that are trying to kind of move us as a congregation back to these issues. One of those things will be we're going to spend 41 weeks preaching through Ephesians next year, right? And so uh, we're, we're literally taking like, it took us 40 weeks to do Acts, which is 29 chapters, and we're going to do a six-chapter book in 41 weeks, okay? Um, and so just because, man, it is so rich and deep and replete with, with good theology and doctrine that'll shape us. And so, uh, so that's really important. Um, last thing uh, I'll have, uh, I think Anthony probably knows, or, or Randy, and, and Andy might know some stuff as well. But Ant, let's start with you talking through, because we've already had some questions coming about, kind of a financial snapshot of how we're doing as a church right now.
1: Yeah, uh, so I too, I just kind of want to give you guys a picture if you're newer here. So uh, last year at this time, we were at the Orpheum, and our our kids' uh, tr- service or church, whatever you want to call it, was the green room at the Orpheum, which is disgusting and <laughs> um, we did everything we could to not make it disgusting but you know uh, we didn't do great and so yeah and so uh, we're in the Orpheum and we're we're doing things there Vince was the, the only full-time staff person that we had at the time um, and so then, we were starting to get more and more people that had kids, and so we felt this move to somewhere was was important, and we were kind of looking at some buildings, but there weren't lo- really a lot of great options, and um, the church that used to be here, they were going to be moving out, and since we had this relationship with them, they said, man, we'd love if you guys came in kind of behind us, and we're just in here after us, and so we moved here, um, which I think was... Great for us because a big part of our vision is reaching the whole city of Flagstaff, not just people that feel great going to Orpheum or just students. We want to reach people of all ages. We want to demographically look like the city, but even probably more diverse than the city if we could. And so in age and race and everything. And so um, with that, uh, the move was great for us financially. It was great for us from a standpoint of being able to serve families better and Um, And so we've been having more families here. And so last year's budget, so we're from Redemption Church, which is 10 churches across the state of Arizona. And so we have been supported by those other churches, essentially, for the last however many years. And so this year we even supported a partial amount each month. And it's looking like if uh, people are still giving at the rates that they're giving for the rest of the year, that next year we're actually going to be a sustaining church. And we're actually going to be able to, in a small percentage, help some of those other kind of churches that are that need support or need to be planted or whatever it is. So we're in a much stronger financial state than we have been.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Thanks to yeah, you guys. No, thank honestly, you guys. it's a big deal. The big uh, the big announcement, kind of out of that, is is uh, you know we've been running hard for five years. Again, as Anthony said, I mean I've been the only full time beneficiary. Uh, of having a salary here, Uh, but starting October 1, Anthony G. will be full-time with the church. And
1: uh, I was like, man, there might be (laughs) booze, but luckily there's cheering.
0: And uh, if you know how hard this guy has run uh, since he got up here working all sorts of jobs, Uh, he's still even, I mean, up to this last year was, was substitute teaching over at the Peak School. Uh, raising a lot of his support as Andy raises pretty much like 98% of her support uh, and kind of doing that as well. Like It is a huge testimony, and we thank you guys for your generosity,
1: uh, and we'd love to see kind of where that continues to go as we seek to bless this city. Yeah, I I just want to say, too, thank you guys for giving. I know it's like, oh, I get the salary, and I I see that, but Thank you for giving because it is such a mark of Christianity to be generous and to give and to fund the local church. Like we see that all through the New Testament. We see it talked about a lot. And I know because I think it's because of our culture, money, and that stuff is weird to talk about. But the more generous you guys are, I want our church to be more generous to this city and care for the city more. And so, um, so anyways, I'm super appreciative that I can do uh, this job that I feel God has called me to and gifted me in at least a tiny bit, and uh, and so thank you guys for our, for your generosity.
0: Yeah, there's one one of our redemption, uh, one of our redemption congregations down in the valley. Uh, kind of their vision, and and they uh, have a, a very significantly larger budget and a smaller church than we do. So it's very interesting how that works out. Um, but what their their goal is to give away 50.1% of their uh, of their offering and stuff like that. I don't know if we'll ever get there given the demographics of our community, but just, you know, like ger- generosity uh, for what comes in and how it goes back out to love the city is just a huge part of our ethos here. So um, we're going to move in kind of to uh, what we believe about a few different things and why we believe that, and then, uh, and then we'll start answering some questions, and there's a lot of really good ones, so just keep hanging with us as we run through these last few things. Um, Andy, let me turn to you. Um, we have this saying here called, all of life is all for Jesus. We say it a lot. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows what it means.
2: Yes, so um, we say all of life, all for Jesus. If you go to our Connect desk, you will see a $10 shirt there as well. It's all over the place. Um, so kind of all of life, all for Jesus came out of this just like Romans 12, one where we're called to be a living sacrifice, and all areas of our life are called to we're called to live out the gospel. So our areas of work, our areas of play, our family lives, our relationships, all of these areas should um, intersect our faith, right? And so we just kind of, at at a higher level redemption, just kind of started to see this divide of sacred and secular and started to see people be church people and then be life people. And so at redemption, we just try and... um, Hit this home a lot and so it might get redundant you know there's a few things that we say a lot and all of life is all for Jesus is one just because I know for me personally like we can't hear this enough right like it's just too often that we are at our jobs and we're just trying to get through the day and we don't look around at all or we don't see significance in the workplace at all Um, And so we can't hear this enough because we just don't do it, is the reality. And I know I'm the same way, right? I work for a church, and then I go to a coffee shop, and I'm just trying to get my coffee. So I think it's just trying to have open eyes to see the people around us, but then also trying to see the dignity in the workplace. Um, That's something why we do the All of Life interviews, is because we believe that God's image is reflected through more things than just being um, a missionary or working for a church. They're, his image is reflected through a variety of things, which is why we interview so many different kinds of jobs because we we need like our own selves to be reminded of that because I talk to too many college students who are like, you know, I really wanted to be a nurse or this or that, but I'm probably just going to be in, in the church. And obviously, I'm not the best person to say, no, don't do that because I work for a church. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we just do this because we want um, our, it to be reiterated in our own minds um, because, like I said, we just can't hear it enough.
0: Nice. Okay. Um, Anthony, moving on to you then. Um, we've, uh, we have this text that drives us from behind the scenes. I think oftentimes gets used in different ways than we intended to, but Jeremiah 29 has been heavily influential in our view of Flagstaff and of what it means to be a church in the city. And so we kind of talk through that.
1: Yeah, so Jeremiah 29 says a lot of things in it, but one of the commands in Jeremiah 29 is this, this beautiful command that God gives to, to the Israelites who are exiles now. They live in Babylon, which is not their own country, and if you've read anything in the Bible, Babylon is just a bad country. Like, it is used as the image throughout the Bible as an evil place. So they're living in this evil place, and God says to them, I want you to seek the welfare of the city. And then he says... In its flourishing, you will find your flourishing. And he encourages them. He basically says, you're going to be here for a while. So get married, have kids, plant gardens. And then again, he's saying, seek the well, or for the first time, he says, seek the welfare of the city. And that's a big part of why we're here is we want to seek the welfare of the city as exiles as well. So First Peter, I think it's 2 Peter is talking to the church, which is us, right? And he says that we are sojourners and exiles. And so we can take that idea today and go, part of how we live in exile, like the Israelites did, so maybe not all the commands in Jeremiah make total sense in the history of salvation, right? Like there's a correct way to interpret those things. But I think that their identity and how God's care for the city, for his exiles, is that we would seek its flourishing. And I think... As I've been seeing our church kind of grow a bit here, and I've heard over the years different things like, man, I just miss when we were in the Seventh-day Adventist building, or I just miss when there was just this many people at our church, or this or that. And I'm not saying that that's, it's wrong to miss those things. It's totally okay, and I think churches of all sizes are good. But then as I think of us as a body of believers, I'm, I'm excited if, if growing for us means that we're going to impact the city more that we're going to be able to care for the flourishing of the city more because of our numbers. Now, if we grow and that doesn't happen, then hopefully God takes down our numbers, honestly. And so, um, so I know some are new or some have been here for a while to think through this idea of we are here as exiles to care for the flourishing of the city. Not to be like the world, but to be Christian set apart, caring for the flourishing of our city.
0: That's awesome. Um, kind of last thing on our end that we wanted to make sure was clear from us and I'll grant this to you. Uh, you know, we, we love scripture here. We, we love doctrine. And I think uh, it is a thing that oftentimes, I think in our culture is beginning to uh, be less cared about, potentially. Um, can you just talk about why doctrine is important to us? Hmm, and maybe mean, even say, what is doctrine? Uh, for those who, who've kind of heard that word, but don't really
3: know. Well, there's the... the uh... Theology, the study of God's word, and as we, we at Redemption Flagstaff have a doctrine, and in that uh, we're a reformed church. And not to get into specifics now, but um, the, I was thinking, as, as you were talking about, uh, Andy and Anthony, the, uh, as it relates, Vince, uh, I'll try not to drift too much. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was counseled to make my uh, speeches concise is, is the, uh, the church. We, we drift as, as Christians from the standpoint of we're here for an hour and a half a day. We go back into our normal world and we just become the normal world. There is nothing that separates us apart. The world begins to stain us. And I think that happens, I'll personalize it in my own life from the standpoint of uh, social media, you know, the Facebooks, my access with my phone, which is my computer, that I can just completely check out. And as they were saying earlier, to be able to pray without ceasing, to be in the community, all of life is all about Jesus. In that regard, I uh, um, have the charge that separates us as a church from the world. Is that answering what you're asking?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, No, it is. That was really good. That was really good. I think, uh, again, for us just to always... Essentially what it comes down to is anything we want to share with you guys. Uh, And we understand like there is a a vast and throughout the last 2,000 years or, or, you know, really since the last 500 or so that we've had access to this thing. Um, that there have been vast levels of interpretation to it, um, but for us, like we always want to be able to say, "Well, hey, this is why we do what we do, and it starts here right uh, so at really kind of the base level, the practical level is that we 're always returning to scripture to develop and begin to process why we do what we do and believe what we believe, uh, and we think this is really important, and, uh, and the beliefs that are in here have to ground and found the people of God um, because Culture will always change. Uh, God does not, and His kingdom and uh, and His presence and what the work He likes to do here in this world doesn't change either. And we find uh, kind of find the insight into what that looks like within His Word, uh, and so that's just really important to us. So um, we're going to turn it around to some questions here, and and like I said, there there were a ton, and so good work. So let's just um, <laughs> let's just kind of jump right in, and uh, and yeah, we'll just kind of run through the. My as favorite many as we movie
1: can. is The Godfather.
0: Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> This first one was great. How are you all so good-looking? That's God's grace. Good work. Uh, When did Randy start his Nazarite vow? I don't know.
3: Uh, (laughs) This is marital negotiations here, and it's staying on for approximately six more weeks.
0: Six more weeks. So there's a... He'll uh, start granting wishes (laughs) to all of you. (laughs) I saw that. Yeah. It's amazing. And
3: then I can't figure out which one to cut, so...
0: There's legitimately eight questions about Randy's facial hair, so this is, this is wrong with you people. Okay, this is just um, That's amazing. Um, okay, yes, there will be vegetarian options at the barbecue. Uh, <laughs> is that
1: for real? Yeah. It's Flagstaff. Okay. We know. Um,
0: Randy, I'm going to go back to you on this one. Um, what are your thoughts on celebrating or worshiping the cross? Uh, and there's a little more to it, but this idea that oftentimes the cross becomes the, the, the thing we celebrate and worship uh, I'm, I'm guessing as opposed to, to Christ himself. And so will you speak to that a little bit?
3: Um, hmm, if I understand. Uh, the cross, obviously, where Christ was crucified and died uh, is important, obviously. But it's it's more what happened three days later uh, when the the tomb was opened and he wasn't there. And he was raised in three days. So that's the overreaching uh, as, a, uh, as a Christian, uh, as Vince alluded to the fact that obviously there's perhaps some non-Christians here, but Christianity stands and falls on one thing, and that is the resurrection,
1: period. Yeah. Great. Now, i would just add that the cross, though, and why we use it as a symbol so much, it was the climax of the s- story of the Bible, right? This, this is the moment that in Genesis, when, when the serpent deceived Eve, and Adam sinned, and Eve sinned, God said to the serpent, like, one day someone's coming from her lineage, essentially, who's going to crush your head and you'll bite his heel, right? And so we've been, this is kind of a climatic, climatic moment of the Bible where sin and death are defeated. And so I think sometimes in Christian cir- circles, just like we do with our favorite movies, we look at the climax and we we kind of worship it too much, or we look at just that moment a little bit too much, I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think so too, yeah, I think that is kind of a trend. like you often like the cross gets talked about a ton, and and yet you don't we don 't talk often enough, and i don 't say we, but I think the church can be guilty of not talking about the one that was on the cross enough right so it 's just this moment that we celebrate as opposed to the the person that was on that cross and how he is still alive for the resurrection, active today through the power of his spirit that dwells inside the believers right, and so um, that kind of leads to this next question, anthony, because of especially because of your Your crazy background. Um, The question is, how does the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, uh, fit into the
1: church? Was the way it was phrased. Did they say Holy Ghost? They said Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, (laughs) uh, No, so I, uh, Vince said, because of my background. uh, So I grew up in uh, my foot kind of in both worlds, but a very charismatic Pentecostal church, people praying, hitting the deck, and we laying sheets over them type of a church, flags, all that kind of good stuff. And, and I was in those kinds of churches for many years, actually. And so what we think about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit essentially is, I think, how we interact with God today. Like, so if we interact with God, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It's because of what Jesus did, right? But Jesus then said, better it is that I send the Holy Spirit. So then now we all have access to God through the, the Holy Spirit. So we here, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We do think, as opposed to some churches, we do think there are um, ways for certain gifts to be used properly, and there's a lot of that in Corinthians talked about. But I, w- I do want us to be a church that, that seek God first and foremost, make sure that we have the fruit of the Spirit in our life, all of those things, not just certain of the fruit, uh, but all of the fruit of the Spirit, and then in the midst of that, seek the the higher gifts, like Corinthians says, and seek these gifts and seek that God would move in us to use us maybe to heal someone, to move in us to to whatever these other um, gifts are that are kind of hotly debated. So we, we believe in that the Holy Spirit lives today and works in us, and, um, and that's our theology around the Holy Spirit is probably a little bit more nuanced than um, some churches that believe similarly to what I just said, um, and I'd love to talk to you about that. But we love the Holy Spirit, and uh, we need him,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, on a significant level, you know it's interesting, I just think even the que- the way the question is phrased, and there's not an attack I' never asked it, uh, but just that idea of like how does it kind of fit into I mean like the Holy Spirit, I mean it's God, it's like asking how does God fit into the church? It's like he is the church, I mean like he like we're in him, you know like we're grafted into into god's family, not not vice versa, so really just that that language even kind of I think it kind of denotes a bit of just how oftentimes He, the Holy Spirit, a third person of the Trinity, can kind of get spoken about often. And I'll I'll be the first to admit that Man, I, I, I use the word Jesus and I talk about Jesus a lot and and, uh, and the Spirit less and, and I don't know if that's I don't know if it's right or wrong or whatever. Um, but man, I think sometimes my own heart is guilty of like favoring Jesus over His Spirit, you know, which is which is just silly. And it's something that I think the church is wise to continue to to press into. What does it mean that like God and Jesus I said, I man, I'm going to come like live inside you, right? Um, that is a Unbelievable and amazing fact, the fact that the Spirit is the seal of eternity upon the believer, uh, and so on and so forth. So that's great. Andy, this question I thought was just really interesting, and I think kind of, I know this was actually the thing Andy was scared most about. She's great at kind of just prepping, but just to put her on the spot, just, she's just freaking out right now. So this is amazing. Um <laughs> So, um, they asked the question, why don't we do altar calls where people can accept Christ into their life? Um, And then the part, and I'll ask part B in a second, but why don't we do altar calls? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how
3: come?
2: Um, hmm. Well, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But I would guess just because we believe that the Christian faith is something that like gets worked out and... When we do altar calls, oftentimes, I don't know if you guys have been to camps, but there can be like this huge spiritual feeling in the room and people can feel really moved to be like, yes, I want that. And then there's not a lot of follow through. So I I think it's because what we talked about earlier, like mentorship and discipleship is something that we're really passionate about. And I mean, if you guys are walking with Jesus right now, you know that the Christian life is... be hard and and there's a lot that comes with it and especially in that first year of being a believer there's a lot of questions and a lot of things to be worked out and so i think um, we just really believe that we want to live life with people and we want to be alongside people in the midst of asking these questions figuring out what does it look like for me to follow jesus and to live that christian faith out Um, and a lot of times in altar calls there can be just kind of this heightened moment
0: Right, yeah, that's pretty much exactly it. Um, I think oftentimes it's just this, this emotional response in the moment, um, and we've just seen it time in and time out that that uh, just hasn't proved the most effective form of, of evangelism and outreach is to call someone up in that type of that type of moment. But requires this. Opportunity. So uh, for the churches that do it, we're, we don't like hate it. We're not against it. If another church wants to do it, by, by all means. Um, we just also think that like just praying a prayer is not what saves you, you know. And so if it's come on up to the altar and we'll kind of lay hands and you'll pray a prayer and, and you're good and you're in, uh, we think is is just a false presentation of, of salvation, of the gospel. It's It's not just a prayer you don't have to say a handful of words it is this transformation by the work of the Holy Spirit to regenerate our hearts and, and make us like Christ covered by the blood of Jesus and so that happens uh, you know over usually over time but sometimes in a moment but it's not just because you said a prayer it's because God saved you right and so um, so sometimes we just feel the emotional swing of that moment kind of pushes against what we feel as a, as a real uh, command in the Bible but
1: Yeah, I think sometimes that prayer, like it's known as like the sinner's prayer, right, in evangelical circles. I think it's been commercialized a little bit too much, and it's been kind of like a tag on to how we proclaim the gospel. And it's like, man, it's not a full gospel presentation unless you try to get them to pray this prayer. Now, I think responding to the gospel is part of a gospel presentation, but I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, you got to pray this prayer this way, because I think uh, if we went around in this room and we just said how you would say, we would have some people that have prayed through that prayer and that was their moment. We'd have some people that were just like, I just was here all of a sudden and (laughs) started loving Jesus or whatever it might be. So.
0: Yeah. If, if if the prayer in and of itself was, was like the key moment, then Paul isn't in heaven, right? I mean, like Paul, Paul never has this moment of, of prayerful, that same thing that we do, you know? So, um, that being said, I'll move on to the next question because we could talk about that kind of stuff uh, for a while. Um, but there was a question about what is what does the church believe about ra- racial reconciliation in the church? It is a real lighthearted topic. And, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start and then, you know, everyone else can kind of jump in as, as they wish. I mean, the, the church, our church, the church should be all about racial reconciliation. Um, and I, I, there's no one up here, there's no one on our staff that would disagree with that statement whatsoever. There are differences even amongst kind of our larger staff about how is the best way to do that, right? Like there are nuances to that that we want to acknowledge and we talk through and we engage with one another to be intentional about what is the best way for the body of Christ in light of what Christ has done reconciling and drawing us in who were enemies, right? Who were outside and bringing us in how do we do that best as a community of God? And so there's there's some discrepancies there but we would say man the bible is without a doubt 100% clear that it is uh, it is all about racial reconciliation where there is division that god wants to bring unity the picture we get in Revelation 7, right, of the church standing before praising God of every tribe, tongue, and nation, right? All standing and proclaiming before the Lamb. And so we see this united front. We see in the book of Galatians, right, that, the, uh, that there's no Jew, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Is that, is that Galatians? That's right. And, uh, and so you get this constant picture throughout the entire book of Acts. It's this push against Jews trying to ostracize Gentile believers and vice versa. And so there's this constant tension throughout humanity of racial tension that God wants to come in and bring reconciliation and restoration to, all rooted in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where God creates all of humanity in his image, right? There wasn't like this color was created in one image and this color in a di- That does not exist. Every single human being, the only thing created in God's image with intrigues at dignity and value before him. And so where there is division and fracture and split there, Christ has come to bring reconciliation. So feel free to, to add on that if you guys would like.
3: I was just going to add the, the fact that, as you said, Vince, that we are called to the Ministry of Reconciliation. And uh, as, as if uh, you've been on social media, as I've alluded to before, obviously we need it. But I heard a sermon just this past week, and I was sharing with you guys uh, during the meeting we had this past week, that there, there are no different races. There, there are not. There is one race, the human race. And we we somehow have gone down the slippery slope that we've got this race over here, and, I mean, you know, we even have an Asian on stage. But this Asian down here...
0: People don't realize that. I'm actually Asian, but (laughs) everyone thinks I'm Hispanic. I'm not. we are... Just as a heads up.
3: (laughs) We are created in his image, one race, the human race.
1: And that being said, we still think cultural distinctives are fine and good and should be celebrated, and so I don't want you here just like, oh, then I can't like uh gluten free crackers because I'm white and that's part of my culture. Um, but you can. Sorry. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: is that okay? Uh, I don't know. We'll edit that later. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: no, I mean that that is significant and important. Um, you know, there, there is kind of that line that often gets kind of like, well, I, you know, I'll just be colorblind and things like that. And we, we do think that that um, has, is, is not helpful, right? That The reality is is that you know, people are different colors, and you need to acknowledge that and then acknowledge the culture that comes behind that. In the midst of what Randy's saying, though, it truly is. God created one set of people in the beginning of time. It was human beings. And so we, we worship uh, him in light of everything he's done, and then we, we seek to care and give that same dignity created in his image through that. Whilst understanding the complex differences that exist across culturally, across ethnically, uh, and just kind of honestly, like cross humanly, like we're all just a little bit different from one another. And so, how do we apply uh, God's grace and mercy kind of to that situation? So, do you have something? Yeah.
2: yeah. And I think just within that, like as Christians, we are called to restore dignity to people. So, when we're talking about all of this, Right, there, it's, there's so much going on in our world with it concerning all of this, but I think an important thing as we are going through Genesis and we are looking at what we're called, like the beginning was <laughs> Jesus creating us in His image, and I think that at, beyond all of this, something that's important to remember is just as Christians, like we are seeking shalom, we are seeking to restore dignity. Where dignity has been lost. So if that is in a different race, if that is in the homeless person on the corner, like where dignity has been lost, we are called called to restore that. So I think that's important. Beautiful. That. Yeah,
0: it's great. Um, and uh, how is the church ensuring that the mentorship program uh, is actively uh, let's see
1: actively working um, and there's no
0: abuse and things like that? What are what kind of the things we're
1: doing there? Yeah, that's great. Uh, Part of it is I try to talk to our mentors as much as we can, and I kind of have tried to start the system where some of the mentors I trust a lot, like Randy and his wife Kelly, that they would ask the the people that they're mentoring that are also mentors and check in with them and see how they're doing. Um, Part of it is they do go through like a little bit of an application process, and I try, again, to get to know our mentors really well. And then I listen to a lot of feedback from our mentees. I, I look a lot at what redemption communities our mentors are a part of or what communities they're a part of in general. And I'll, I'll ask a lot of people in a non-gossip way, hey, what do you think of, you know, Randy? He's, he's got a weird goatee thing. Um, <laughs> do you think he'd be a good mentor or whatever? And kind of talk to them through that kind of stuff. But it's not a perfect system. There's, there's probably going to be at times um, mentors who get through who uh, maybe I didn't know well enough who might have some issues. But part of the application process uh, says, hey, do you have any major sin going on in your life? And all sin is major in one sense. But I, I keep that question there to say, to see if there's some significant issues there. And I usually almost always have a, not always, but often have a conversation with new mentors about their sin because of that question in general. And so um, that's kind of our process right now. And it could always get better.
0: It's great. Quick question about Guatemala. Someone asked, is there a church in Guatemala that we partner with?
2: So um, the, the organization itself, Champions in Action, is partnering with local churches. So they're finding the mentors from local churches who then go out and find their 10 kids that they're going to be mentoring. And so it's a whole local church fun time, um, which is why we really love it is because um, when we leave, the mentors are who are doing the work, right? So we're while we're at camp, we're saying to our kids, hey, your mentor is so awesome. We love them, yada, 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 because we don't want them to be attached to our American selves because we're cool and new and all those things we want to make sure that we're continuing to support the mentors because when we leave the mentors are who are doing the work for the next year and sometimes and beyond right so todd when we just went back he saw his girls from the year before they're still in mentorship with their mentors they're still going um to soccer practice a lot of them are still involved in the league and so um yeah it's it's 100% 100% like the only reason that we do it is really because it is local people doing the work. And we're not coming in to tell them, hey, the gospel you heard from your mentor is different from the gospel we have. Ours is better. We're coming in to say, hey, we really love what you're doing here. Let us help in the in the camp experience and help like with logistics and with um you know, what needs to be done, running drills, all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, we're seeking to empower the local um, ministers there.
0: Awesome. Uh, Ray. I'm going to give you a real simple one um, that, uh, <laughs> and this is, the, I mean, it'll be, it's a simple answer in the sense, but we understand it's, it's very, it's a difficult pill to swallow at sometimes. times. But uh, you, you alluded to before that we have a reformed understanding of salvation. There are a bunch of questions coming in about What that means, Uh, and I know that's a heavy thing. We are going to be preaching Ephesians uh, next year, and so come back in January, and uh, we'll have a lot more talk about it then. Um, But if there are questions coming off of our answer here, which I'm sure there are, because it's one of the most debated kind of things in church history, uh, is where you land on this position, we'd love to talk to you more. So don't let this, again, be the end of a conversation, but please, the start. So Reformed uh, theology, what did you mean,
3: and what do we mean? There was a, uh, it was called the Reformation, and during that time, um, the populace were uh, uh, granted the ability to read the scriptures they hadn't been before. But in essence, it for me comes out of Romans. In and as uh, you go, have to chime in here if I divert too far off the track here. I'm but, already planning on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> from the difference from the standpoint of how you became a Christian were was it you, or was it the lord i 'll con- just draw the line there, and there is one camp that says it was your decision, and it was about John and John became a christian and john it was John John John, as opposed to you being an, a part of the elect, and you had nothing to do with your salvation, and that the Lord knew you knew that you' were going to be, become a christian um, before he created the, uh, the world.
1: Yeah, I would just add to this idea of being reformed two, two things that Randy's touching on. It. Uh, well, there's these kind of two phrases that are out of the Reformation that we kind of use and is a big part of who we are. One is sola fide, which means by faith alone. So we think by faith alone are you saved. And one is solo scriptura, which was the authority of the scriptures, our, our ultimate authority, and that the apostolic authority comes through there by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's authority, really. And so I think those are two distinctions as well, which, we, which in not all churches would believe both those things completely. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Vince.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's a handful of more things that kind of come down, but they hit kind of the basic levels of it. And uh, we'd love, again, to talk more through a lot of that and what that looks like and where you land and, and all that stuff. So, we also do believe that uh, if you disagree with us on landing on a reformed view of soteriology, of how you got saved, essentially, that. Uh, that even that's not that like, you're still a Christian. Like We don't think that like you have to have this doctrine lined up with us to be a believer or anything like that. You can be at this church. There, there's a lot of people here that we know really well that disagree with us uh, on that issue, and we think that's fine because we're not here trying to uh, win people to reform theology. We're, tr- we're here to try to win people to Jesus, and so that's a, a big part of who we are. Um, Andy, I think uh, Andy and Anthony, I want you guys, I feel like you do a lot of this kind of on the ground. So whoever wants to answer first... Um, But how can I best help a fellow Christian who's been suffering from abuse, low self-esteem, depression, anxiety? um, And if there's any particular kind of resources that you'd share with that.
1: Yeah, uh, I would say uh, get as many wise people involved as possible in that person's life. So we'd love to come alongside uh, those people. Um, I'm a big believer, and I think counseling really does help at times. It doesn't always help, but I think it helps often and uh, whether it's even cr- Christian counseling or non-Christian counseling. And again, I think um, depending on the counselor and de- depending on the type of it, you have to be wise there too. Um, so that, that is, I think, a huge step in the midst of it. And then I think there's a lot of different resources I would use depending on the situation. You know, Depending on, is it contentment issues? Is it forgiveness issues? Is it they have been abused in the past type issues? And based on that, Um, then I would have a resource or two that I would suggest. So I don't know.
2: Um, I look to Anthony for all of my resources when I'm going through something like this. (laughs) So I feel like Anthony, um, he reads every book under the sun. So uh, just to help our mentors find resources. So if you've ever had a recommendation from someone at our church, it's probably because Anthony has read the book, like he pr- he reads probably like 15 times more book than I books than I do a <laughs> book I can't even speak correctly because I don't read enough books no um <laughs> just um so yeah if you've heard a recommendation it's probably because Anthony told that person but uh, so I would say that for sure he just he wants to help our church and steward it well so when we when I'm going through something or I have a girl going through something I turn to him for sure um, but then also yeah I would agree with. Uh, counseling for sure. Um, In Flagstaff, that can be tricky. Just realities of not having a lot of Christian uh, resources and counseling. Um, But there are ways around that and there are ways to Skype in and we do have someone that we recommend here. But again, I would say, same with Anthony, it's a um, person-to-person situation. So there's a lot of history typically when there's something like this going on that I think that uh, you personally, depending on where you're at, I don't know who who sent in this question may not be capable to walk through that with them. So I would agree as well with wise counsel having enough, having more people around that are wise, older, have been through it, um, coming to our office, talking to us about it so that we can help you uh, figure out what the next steps are because every situation is so specific. There's always so many strings attached to what's going on, maybe in the moment.
0: Nice. Um, I'm going to power through like a handful of questions here just to get them quick, and then uh, the, the band will start getting ready to come back up. We are out of time. Um, but if you have more questions, man, write them down. Again, we're like always open to meet and spend time with you. We, we see that as a primary part of why we do what we do. And so if you didn't get your question answered, we'd love to sit down and answer it. There are a couple questions that I just know Require like us sitting down face-to-face, opening up the Word of God together. And so we didn't get to a couple of those. And so um, if you have those questions, come and meet with us. We'd love to sit down and talk. We talked through some of that stuff in our Roots Lunch as well, so you can come check us out there. But again, if you still have a question, like... Come ask. that's why we do this. Um, but a couple things. So uh, da, 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 how is Nate Simon doing? Uh, great question. Uh, he is our former worship director, him and his wife, and they are actually going to be leading worship for our five-year anniversary. And so if you remember Nate and Emily, they're coming back to lead that day and so come and uh, we'll celebrate with them. That will be fantastic. Their kids are gorgeous and it's, it's so exciting. Um, another one that was uh, a real quick one or so I, I think it will be. Uh, yes, there are plenty of areas where we need more help. Uh, Sunday mornings we need more help. We need more helping kids. We'd like to open up another classroom for nine and 10-year-olds, because right now we cap it at eight, but we need a lot more kids volunteers who want to serve there. We serve the city once a month in something called Second Saturdays. We need more people to go serve there. We want to send more people to Guatemala. We need more soccer coaches and people to. Go volunteer over at the Peak School. Uh, we need more help with AZ-127 and foster care and adoption work here in town. If you can serve anywhere, just fill out an info card, say serving. I want to serve somewhere and we'll get you plugged in. And then we want to answer your questions about kind of stuff that's, that you guys have been burning on. And so I'm just going to ask them and I'm going to point to uh, kind of some of, you know, uh, our, our people down here and, and they'll uh, they'll do that. So we'll just kind of run down. First one is, um, you know what, uh, Let's Anthony, just have you do this one. Does Redemption Flagstaff have a plan to build a Campus of its own
1: I wish uh, <laughs> uh, we don't have a plan right now. Um, we uh don't have a, a lot of money right now too, um, as uh, I'm just getting paid uh next month, and so uh like they don't even have mo- enough money till next month and so uh <laughs> no, but uh would we build a campus? if the right opportunity presented itself and we were being faithful stewards of our finances and it made sense and we could live out mission better and we could care for the city better and disciple the church to reach the church better. But we have no current plans um, to do that.
0: There was actually, before we ended up in this space, we were looking for a space. We thought we found a space, but it was just gonna, it was gonna extend us ourselves financially in a way that we didn't think we'd continue to, be able to serve you guys and serve the city and bless the city. And so, We didn't do it, and instead we ended up in this great place, and so volunteers show up at 6 a.m. to help us set up, you know, and and tear down till 1 p.m., and so that's just kind of our reality, but that's where we're at. Um, Some of the benefits that we would in owning a place would be, man, how could we utilize this space for the glory of God here in the city? Like, how do we use this to bless the city, you know? So one of our greatest models is Redemption Tempe has an enormous uh, building down there that they got at a crazy low price. Um, and it's this huge campus, and they rent out, like, 80% of it to local charter schools, um, local organizations, nonprofits, so that the city can come in and utilize that space, uh, usually at a significantly subsidized rent, um, because they're doing good work in town as well. And so we'd love to have a vision like that, but um, but it's probably not happening anytime soon. So that's that's just probably Ten-year anniversary. Ten-year anniversary, yeah, we'll do that. Um, okay, this one, uh, Randy, let me have you answer this one, if you would. Um Is peace only possible with God?
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, (laughs) Well, as sinful people, um, can we have peace uh, as a non-Christian, as a Christian, uh, independent of uh, a relationship with Christ? Then I would want to dissect what peace is. But I think our Shalom, our peace is found exclusively with Christ. And then I just wanted to fall back. You can expand upon that as you like to do. is you, you made a point just a little while ago from the finances, and I just want them to know while we do not have the funds to go out and at this point you know take down some property and buy a campus and whatnot. We as a church here just at Redemption Flagstaff, let alone the big R as we call it, we're very financially sound and we're not you know, on a month-to-month type uh, uh, financial need. We uh, have savings we brought in from last year and we have savings currently.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's all. I, I would love to know what you mean by peace. Do you mean peace? In our city, peace between nations, peace. At, at some level, sin's going to exist before till Jesus returns. Um, on another level, I think there's a common grace that God does use at times. Um, good leaders to to bring forth justice and increase peace. So, awesome,
0: um, Andy. A very practical question here: uh, Do all the Redemption churches go through the same sermons, sermon series concurrently? And uh, what is the next series after Acts?
2: Yes, I can answer that. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yes, typically. So right now we're all in Acts. Um, there are little uh, windows where we will have s- what we call standalone series. Um, so typically, like our Advent series, is kind of left up to us to figure out. And by us, I mean mostly these guys um, to figure out and to do separately. And so we have some freedom in that in that point. But what I really love about it is these guys go down once a month, typically, um, to go to preaching collectives. So they sit in rooms with all the other pastors at the 10 congregations, and they all get to kind of dissect the text, talk through the text, and kind of sharpen one another through that, which I think is really special and makes me feel um, just like, not, better is not the word, but I feel I love that uh, the teaching that I receive, that I know it's um, not that I don't trust these guys, but I know <laughs> wow, that it's, savage. Um, it's been refined. Um, I really love that. And then as far as what we're going through next, we'll be going through Ephesians. At, well, right next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right next is Proverbs. But the next big series we're going through as a whole church will be um, Ephesians. And that's over 40 weeks. Right? Yep.
0: 40. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so we'll do Proverbs for seven weeks once we're done with Acts in a few weeks. Uh, that'll take us to our Advent series. We'll do uh, four weeks in Advent, and then starting in the new year, we'll have uh, we'll start with forty forty one weeks in the Book of Ephesians. Uh, to put that in perspective, we did forty weeks through the Book of Acts, which has uh, twenty eight chapters, and so we're doing forty one weeks uh, in a book that has six chapters, and so. Uh, you know how you guys have all been sitting around as we've read like all of chapter 24 and all of 25 and tried to preach like 65 verses in one sermon. Instead, we're gonna do like six syllables per <laughs> per service next <laughs> year, and so that's kind of the way we're gonna take our time. But it's just it's so full of just amazing stuff and some great topics and things that that we'll be able to get into. So and yeah,
2: we
0: have Job too, right? We Job is being moved, oh. so. Um, I know. He already had Sorry. it pretty rough, didn't it's he? Yeah. So that poor guy. Uh, <laughs> so true, though. Uh, um, okay. Moving on. Uh, next one. Oh, this one just uh, just to confirm. So, someone asked for confirmation. The barbecue is not today. Uh, <laughs> so, um, October 8th. October 8th is, is that barbecue after our anniversary service. Okay. So, um, yes. Um, Let's, Aunt, let's have you take this one, uh, and it's a heavy one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. That was okay. good. Hey. All right. um, what is the church's view on human sexuality uh, and particularly homosexuality?
1: Awesome. Um. Awesome. <laughs> We do think that there is a, a blueprint in the Bible for human sexuality, and we do think that God has given us that blueprint. We do think that he created man and woman with distinctives, and we do think that sexually they are to be together only in the covenant of marriage, okay? And so all of that right there is enough to, for me to sit with you if you're confused by any of that. Let's sit and let's talk for like an hour because we probably could just on that. Now, in regards to homosexuality, we do think the practice of homosexuality is a sin. We do think the Bible says that. And I'd love to sit with you and talk with you about that. If you're here and you're, you experience same-sex attraction or you would identify as gay or someone that's homosexual, I would love to sit with you and talk with you, not to try to, uh, for lack of a better term, pray the gay away, but to love you, care for you, and hear your perspective. Um, and so we do have what I would say is probably an orthodox view of of homosexuality, but it's really based in hours, for me at least personally, hours and hours studying some of those texts and saying, what does this really say, and looking at both sides, liberal theologians and conservative theologians, and trying to understand what they're saying, and from what I gather, at least the act of homosexuality uh, is a sin in the Bible, as is a million other things, okay, so... Um, this is a super sensitive issue, and if I've offended you, please email me and then get coffee and then tell me I've I've offended you, but I'd love to talk about that, and and I don't know if you guys have anything to add.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would just say I feel, you know, this is, this is amongst other issues, an issue that the church hasn't always handled super well, you know, and so um, in, in our treatment of just all sorts of people that were different from us, and so... Uh, the LGBTQ community is one of those communities that, that I think uh, the church hasn't done a great job extending love and uh, extending the heart of God in the midst of that, which is a blend of grace and truth always. Uh, and so I think it is a very complicated and, and nuanced issue, uh, but that's where we stand theologically and biblically. Uh, but man, we we love to, to talk and to engage and to sit down and have conversations and realize the complexity of of people's story in life and and to really kind of tap and and share the gospel in the midst of all that is super important. And so uh, again, uh, love you and uh, thanks for that question. Um, This one, Andy, we're going to go to you and uh, it's, it might be, you might be like, why'd you ask me this? But I think you're going to crush it. See, this is the anxiety that's what we're (laughs) in right now for. Um, Does God get more glory with sin in the world? I don't know what you mean by that. Like, who asked it? No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, My my guess is 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 kind of probably thinking through, hey, because there's um, and there's a reason why I ask because because of your heart and your compassion and your love and understanding brokenness. Because right there's brokenness and sin, um, that then God comes in as healer, as redeemer, as savior. Um, Is is it almost better right that sin might exist in this world? Uh, that he would receive glory in that.
2: I feel like that's so complex because it's all we know, right? Like it's the story that God wrote. So I can't think of what life or the world would be like without sin because all I know is being a sinful person. I personally have seen so much glory shown um, or so much glory given to the Lord through seeing redemption in my life. But honestly, uh, walking through your lives with you, um, being in this church and being able to walk through life with people has been one of the most honoring things that I think, yeah, I can't even imagine if I, if I quit this job today, like, or got fired or something, I would, I can't imagine like reflecting on this period of time because I just, I just love that we know, a God that doesn't see any brokenness that he can't redeem, like he's just so good, and his word is good, and he's a healer, and he's a comforter, and yeah, he comes into our brokenness, and he loves us so much through it, and so to walk through that with people is incredible, and I think that he gets so much glory from that, Um, but as far as what would life be, would it be better if there was no sin, well, of course, but (laughs) I don't know how, it's too, it's too, my brain doesn't work like that, it's too philosophical for me to be like, yeah, how could that be, because all I know is what is now, and I see goodness now, and I see, amidst brokenness, I see goodness, and I think that's just a testament to the God that we get to serve.
0: Awesome. Does anyone want to, do you want to I mean,
1: I do want to say too, like to clarify. So that's a that is a deeply philosophical question. Like Andy's saying, I think sometimes so we might ask that question, thinking, "Well, I'm just gonna do this thing, man." And in the end, God's glory is there. And Paul kind of answers that question for us in Romans, and he says, "Should I sin so that grace might abound?" And he says, "No, <laughs> like we shouldn't do that." And so I would say there's there's a bit of Some deep level thinking, like what we do matters in the midst of all that. That's good. Um, Do you think, Randy, why don't we go
0: to you here? Uh, Do you think the Bible points towards the end times coming soon? Uh, And how, if so, should we prepare for that? Not your personal end time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I really want people
3: to think we're not just a college I'm church. Sorry. Did I send you the email about the 23rd?
0: <laughs> All right. yeah. yeah, I haven't sent it to you. Or yeah. did you send it to me? I thought I sent you one. Yeah. You might have, yeah.
3: There are some uh, scholars that believe that uh, this coming Saturday will be... Uh, That's not a joke. It's not a joke. This is yours. That'll be the end. So I'm going to be uh, camping that What Saturday. time on Saturday? They didn't say. They didn't say. <laughs> probably midnight
1: giving themselves a 24 hour gap, come on. So
3: that's a personal question. I personally don't think that what's happening in the world today is uh, from an eschatological standpoint that that we are in the quote unquote the end times and that uh, the second coming is coming this week. I don't believe that. Um, I think we should live our lives though as if it is. And where I don't think we should spend a whole lot of time as a as a church as his bride thinking and discussing. It's a fun talk. It is fun to dialogue with people about, but I think we should live today this afternoon a life a lifestyle as if he was coming tomorrow.
0: Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Matthew 24, you know, some various texts are going to say, like, yeah, we can't know the, the specific time and the hour, which I think is true. He's going to come like a thief in the night and so sort to of predict a specific day is, is is a pretty bold statement when I think Jesus said you can't do that. Um, but that being said, I mean, I think you look out in the, in the world and, and, you know, you got people, like any of these people that are thinking this is it, uh, and if that's you and that's your story, I, don't, I mean, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, the world is messed up right now. I mean, there's some craziness out there. So... Yeah, it could be like maybe it does happen on Saturday, you know, like because we don't know the time and the place, and, and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. So it could happen Saturday. It could happen like a million Saturdays from now. Like we we truly uh, don't know. But I think the the impetus to to say no, we're we're going to live as if like it could end this afternoon, um, because that's what we're called to is that type of life, you know. And so I think that's just really really important um, to to think through in the midst of that. So. Um Anthony, uh, l- let me actually answer this really quick, if I might, and then and I'll give one uh, over to you guys. Um, do you think the Bible, uh, no, that's not right, uh, what is some hard evidence of proof for the Bible? And I just want to actually, uh, there are things, and um, man, there's so many things that for us to give just like a uh, Kind of honestly a not great answer right now uh, would do a disservice to the answer to that question. So one, if you ask that question and you need to know right now, let's talk after service. I would love to just chat with you about that. But then two, on October 22nd, which I know is about a month away, we're teaching a class that is what is the Bible and why is it reliable? And so... Oh, was it? oh twenty 29th. 29th. I'm sorry. I just got moved. October 29th, we're teaching uh, what is the Bible and why is it reliable. And we'll spend about three hours breaking that down together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we would love for you guys to, to come and ask questions and be there for that. But if, you, if you're like, man, I really want some stuff right now, just come talk to me after and, and we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's plenty of resources that are out there um, and, and that'd be great. So um, I, I said I was going to go to Ant, but actually, Randy, if I can go to you, because I think this would just be a weird question, yeah, for, for Anthony and I to answer, uh, but as full-time staff at Redemption, what are your responsibilities behind the scene that justify a salary? And, and I know you don't necessarily know everything we do, but how would you answer that question in light of, like, why why sh- do you think we should have a salary? And then we can, Anthony and I can maybe color it more on how, what we do. But. Wow.
1: He texted it to you, though. I'm just kidding, I'm just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like oh, why, that why, number's you be, why you should be why you should be full time uh, paid.
3: Yes, uh, primarily I think for the the time you put in. Uh, there are churches that that uh, would have lay pastors, but given the size of this church, given the administrative time, given the uh, programs that we have in place, given the time that I want each of you two to put into uh, Sunday prep. Uh, I want you to be funded to be able to do that, to minister to us, to be our shepherds. And also then during the week, the programs, the learning, the seminars, the counseling you guys do uh, would be virtually impossible um, if you, quote-unquote, had a 40-hour-a-week job.
0: Yeah. And do you want to – well, I'll, I'll say this from the – will be do, do the kind of the, end, the Bible end of it, and then if you could share some experience end of it, uh, kind of having lived in the bivocational and all that stuff. Uh, You know, so uh, scripturally, we feel like the, the main priority of the pastorate, right, of the role of the church staff member, is to equip the saints for the works of ministry, right? So, Uh, Our job is not to do ministry, per se. Like, that's our job as Christians. Like, everyone up here, just like everyone in this room that loves Jesus, our job is to do ministry, be ministers of reconciliation, to be ambassadors for Christ wherever we're at. And that's just the reality of our life. Uh, The vocation of clergy or the pastorate or kind of staff members, as it's currently known within many churches, is primarily to equip the saints, equip the church for the works of ministry. In other words, hopefully that as we're all called to minister to this city or wherever we go, right, that by being here and being around our staff, we are doing things, setting things in place, counseling, discipling, meeting with you, or organizing structures that help you do that better, to help you do that in a more Christ-like, gospel-centered way. If we're not doing that, then we don't justify our salaries because that is our primary role per the Bible, is to equip you guys to go and do the works of ministry as we also are being equipped by one another, by God's Word, that when we're not on the clock, uh, that we go and do likewise, and we go and invest in people as well. And so that, that is the primary kind of biblical responsibility that we, we feel a burden for.
3: And I just wanted to add, too, the, the salaries that um, you are paid are... Not generous. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Wow. <laughs> there's strict oversight. Where's Verity? Verity's like, Amen.
1: <laughs>
3: Anyhow, I just wanted to uh, say that the uh, these things are determined at the big R, and there is incredible oversight and uh, considerations <laughs> in uh, what uh, our poor pastors make.
1: Well, that's too kind. Uh, yeah. So I would say too, there's biblical ev- there's biblical places where you see like uh women in particular were funding Jesus' ministry. I think you see that in Luke. You see uh too in Second Timothy, I believe it is Is my mic cutting out? Uh, um it, where uh Paul makes a call to 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 particularly pay those he uses the phrase double portion. This feels awkward saying this to you guys, that labor in teaching and preaching of the word. And so if you were looking for some more just flat out biblical reasons there there's some um, as someone, so I did bivocational ministry pr- for uh, probably eight or nine years, and I was doing it up until about two years ago here, and for me, bivocational ministry was really, I was just working full-time and then also doing ministry at, oh, f- for n- no money, essentially, which we're all called to do in some level, and so... Um, I think the reality is for me wanting to be an equipper and someone that equips the saints to do the work of the ministry, it was just so difficult to do that. And I was uh, always hustling, so to speak, and finding side hustles and jobs. And I still do that. It's hard to break the habit. And and so I think from that standpoint, uh, you know, Curtis, one of our worship leaders, he always says, man, when you start working for the church, you began to smile different, and uh, he was just saying, like, you weren't dead anymore, and so uh, from just, like, uh, from a physical, mental standpoint, and I was taking on a lot, and so.
0: And that was know. specifically for Anthony in that place, not like, hey, when you work for the church, is a better job than anything y'all do, that's not, Yeah, yeah, I yeah, you heard that, it's like God was doing that work, I just want to make Yeah, sure I was
1: I just, just getting burnt out, yeah. out, essentially, is what yeah. I'm saying, so uh, again, I appreciate your guys' generosity.
0: Yeah. Okay, last question, and then we're going to do some things with our mentors. And, and again, there's a bunch on here we didn't get to, and, and apologies for that. But I think this is a, kind of a big thing going on in our culture today that I think uh, would be helpful for us all to know. But, um, Andy, why don't you start with it? And, uh, and I think you know where we stand on this one, so we'll see. But give what, uh, give what you can, and then we'll pass it around. But what is uh, our church's stance on heaven and hell? Oh,
2: God. Why do you want me to answer? Um, we think they're real, <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, uh, we definitely think that they're real. Um, as far as like theology, do you want me to yeah, whatever, on yeah. That? Oh gosh, I don't. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, yeah, we think that.
0: Why don't you talk about heaven, and well, then Anthony will talk about hell.
2: Well, we think what we do. We think what we do matters. So, yeah, I don't, I think that that question earlier, right? So, can I just keep sinning because God's gracious towards me? Like, there, we do think what we do matters. Um, we think that Revelation is a real book of the Bible um, where there will be a judgment seat. Uh, we do believe that. Jesus is coming back, and that we will see him in heaven. Um, we believe that salvation is a real thing that we need, and we need to be saved from sin. Um, yeah. I, that's good. No, yeah, that's really perfect. good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I would say, uh, like, heaven right now, we would say is the dimension where God resides in the saints uh, after, after they've died. Um, there's a lot more nuance to that than just that simple... Thing, and then we believe that God's going to come back one day, renew the earth, and we're going to live on earth with God. There's going to be a new heavens and new earth. Um, as hell goes, we believe it is a reality. We believe that is if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, it is a place you will go. We believe it's eternal punishment, and we don't know what that looks like exactly, but we have some ideas, and part of why we believe this is not just because we're fear-mongering, but because of how much the Bible talks about it. And then for those of you that kind of doubt the Bible's validity, how much Jesus talked about it. And if you just go through his parables, almost every parable, you're like, oh, I'm tracking with you, I'm tracking with you. And then he's like, and then I'm going to throw you where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Right? And this is Jesus. And so I think sometimes we try to make Jesus, you know, um, burping rainbows and riding unicorns Jesus. And he's, wow. he talks about some really intense topics and hell is one of them so we believe in hell and there's very much nuance to what hell is and how it functions and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah I think it's just at the end of the day if uh, if we take scripture as credible as in in which we do uh, which again you know come and, and learn more about why that is at that class on the 29th um Then it's it's just full of the discussion around the existence and reality of these two places. Uh, There's there's plenty of conversation to be had about what exactly those will look like, and there's plenty of ambiguity and like you know like are the streets actually paved with gold that kind of thing. I mean like I don't know you know I haven't been there and come back yet. Uh, just kidding, but you know, like I haven't been there to see it. Uh, what do we know about hell? Is that it's it's not where you want to be, like, and it's not good. Uh, do we know it's fire and brimstone? No, uh, but there's imagery to just to know it's not the place you want to be, and it's disconnected from God which for those who are in the room and, and if you have friends and family that are who consider themselves like even today, like they're, they're not Christians, they're not in relationship with God, they would say, well, I'm disconnected with God now and I'm just fine. The reality is they're not disconnected with God. It is only by God's grace that this world is held together right? His common grace so uh, orders this world and structures this world and honestly keeps humanity from destroying itself. Uh, And because that's a reality, all of that is gone as well. And so even those who are here would say, I feel disconnected from God are are truly not because of his involvement and in sustaining this world as it is. And so hell is this place where God is not present and his sustaining power, grace, love, mercy, hope, kindness, generosity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are also absent. Um, which is a place I don't want to be. And so that, that's kind of the severity with which Jesus preaches it, like you don't want to be there and I provided a way through my own blood. That, so just to give you a picture, it was that important that he gave his own life that you wouldn't have to be there. Uh, and so anyway, that, that's I think a super important thing. So what we're gonna do now actually is kind of wrapping up our time state of the church moment.